I think God is speaking this morning. Again, we are in a situation, I explain it, just in case someone doesn't understand what's going on. Um, God, uh, if you are familiar with the New Testament, has ways of speaking to the body besides just the person <laughs> speaking at the pulpit. And let's thank God for that. Um, it's always been a bottleneck. Uh, I found for a church to be waiting just for God to give the whole word, the whole vision, the whole picture through one person. Um, it's really restricting what God uh, provides for us in the spirit. And it's God's desire to speak through the body. You are the body of Christ. I am the body of Christ. So God can speak through us in various ways. He did with tongues. Willie had tongues. Somebody had an interpretation. Somebody else had a word, maybe a word of knowledge, an encouragement. This is all God speaking to us. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. We are very fortunate to be able to do this, uh, to have this kind of freedom that God is able to speak the way he does. So what's he saying to us this morning? He's saying something really interesting. First thing he says, the time has come. The time has come. Have faith for the promises. Contend. Are you content with what you have? Or do you want to move with God? Because I guarantee you, contentment is not the part, that is not part of moving with God. <laughs> moving with God will always cause us to have some kind of need for faith and trust. You cannot luxuriate in the move of God. It demands more out of us than that. It will always demand faith and trust and surrender to God. So we're being given some indications here that God wants to do something. Apparently, he wants us to move. And he's asking us in this that are we content where we are? This is a powerful statement. Are we content with where we are in our Christianity? Some people are. Some people are just very content with coming to church once on Sunday, maybe picking up the Bible a little bit through the week, and uh, just living their life. And apparently God is not going to take you by the scruff of the neck and grab you out of that. He is going to invite you to something else. And that's what he's kind of saying this morning, that he, God is inviting us to something else. If we want to move with God. And it's, we're living in a time where that decision is becoming more and more relevant. More and more necessary for us to have. I do believe it is time. I believe it's time that we make up our mind whether or not we are going to serve God. Or we are going to fall prey to the worries, the doubts the fears and all the things that come at us and are coming at us now and trust me are going to come more. We are in the, the twilight of a heyday. As we know, three weeks ago, God said recess is over. And we hear this morning, it is time. It is time for what? He's saying to move forward, to go forward. He's not, it's, God is so good because he's, he's inviting us. He knows what's coming. He's inviting us and saying, if you're content with what you have, you can stay in that, but there's going to be more down the road that you're going to need. 
There are people that won't make it because they will fall under the fear and the confusion of what's coming on the earth. It's already here. We, j- we are in the midst of a global, well, we're coming out of a bit of it, and they're saying we're going to go back into it, but through this global thing that has happened, first time in history, we have had this global thing happen. Those are signs of the end times. Now, understanding the end times started as soon as Jesus was crucified. That's when the end times started. But we do know that there is a little bit different a situation at the end of the end times. We do know, and Jesus spent time, the Old Testament spent a lot of time, uh, the book of Revelation spends a lot of time talking about what exactly that will be so that we won't miss it. So that we will be able to say, yeah, it's time. It's time. Things have changed. And we need to change in our perspective and our outlook about our faith. Are we content with what we have? Are we content to walk in doubt? Are we content to walk in fear? Are we content to walk in those unfinished parts of our life? Are we willing to do that? And God is not going to force us into anything. He's not going to force us into anything. He's going to invite us into something. But we have to be willing to make the steps of faith, the steps of commitment, and changing our mind. Instead of being in this state of indecision and this state of mediocrity, but saying, I am going to make the step of belief into something more in my life. I guarantee you, every one of us here, There is a next step that God wants you and I to go to. I guarantee you that God is not satisfied with where you are. He loves you where you are, but he is not satisfied with where you are. And if we're satisfied with where we are, boy, do we ever have a limited idea of what Christianity is all about. Because in the midst of the struggle, there can be peace. In the midst of the challenge, there can be faith. In the midst of the setbacks, there can be trust. And if we don't have those things happening in the midst of those things, I think God is saying to us this morning, it's time that we get them. And the only way that we get that, Jesus said, and Scripture has, God has said in Old Testament, and and Jesus certainly proved it in the New Testament, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. And every one of you have some idea, God has already spoken to you, every one of you know that there's a next step. And what is that next step? It's, it's, it's individual to each of you. But God is saying, it's time to make that next step. Surrender to God. Have faith in the promises. This is a big one. Because when we look at... Let's look... I don't want to be so doomsday, but you know what? If we don't talk about it now, when are we going to talk about it? If we're not going to talk about the crumbling of humanity, <laughs> when are we? if we don't do it now, when are we going to do it? We've got a country in the south of us that is coming apart at the seams. And we've got a world economy that is about to crash. We've got a world pandemic going on. We've got politicians running around their heads cut off trying to figure out what to do. We've got the WHO over there trying. One day they're saying the, the, the virus, you can't get it from something. And then the next day they're saying you can't. They don't know. 
I mean, if ever we are going to say, now's not a time to trust man, boy, now's the time not to trust the wisdom of man. Now is the time to buckle in and take that Bible and open it up and start reading it. And start believing it. Not so, like, I remember someone said to me years ago, a woman who had uh, broken up with her wife, or with her husband, could have been today with the wife, but back then it was a husband, and broke up with her husband, and uh, this is somebody who previously to this had talked to me about some of the scriptures in the Bible that were, uh, you know, maybe saying some, some challenging things about women in church and women in society, and she said, no, not for me, not for me, and she was making this jesting movement that, oh, it's not for me. Well, apparently the marriage wasn't for you either and has since gone through another marriage. We cannot take Scripture, just the parts we like. And we can't just look at Scripture and say, well, I don't feel it yet, so I'm not going to believe it. We need to put our big pants on, our big Christian pants on. There's most people in this room who have been walking with Jesus for more than 10 years. How many have been walking with Jesus more than 10 years in this, in this building? Right? Most of us have the years behind us that it's time to put the big pants on and look at Scripture and say, this is true or it isn't. And that's what Charlie was saying. Are you content with what you have or are you going to move in with God? And I guarantee moving in with God will cost you something. It will cost you faith and it will cost you trust. It will cost you making steps in your life because God doesn't want to leave you where you are. But he can't move you if you don't believe him, if you don't trust him, if you don't say, yes, we can. Yes, God will. We're going to stand paralyzed for fear of the future. And paralyzed out of pride and out of whatever else that gets in the way of us stepping out with God. Well, that's embarrassing to believe that, or that's embarrassing to do that, or whatever it might be. So what? So what? We are living for the kingdom to come, not here. What people think about us here has no bearing what's now. You don't want to go out and be an idiot and, you know, say stupid things and be rude and be, you know, shooting our mouths off when we shouldn't be. Um, But nonetheless, if God is asking us to do something and it's going to cost us a little bit to do it, maybe you have to go and apologize to somebody. Who wants to do that? Not many people in the human race like apologizing. Oh, I love apologizing. I love it. I do it all the time, right? No, most people, it's a push to apologize. But whatever it might be, God is saying that there's a next step for all of us. God has said this before to us, actually. I'm just remembering he said this. This is a repeat message because God will repeat the message if we need to hear it again and again. Because he doesn't want anyone left behind. And we as a species need to be provoked. We need to be challenged. We need to be pushed. Nothing good ever comes from laying on a beach. It just doesn't. It's when we push ourselves and when we take the risk of doing what we know we should do, that's when the changes come. There's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. I love the way God puts things together. <laughs> Because there's a piece of scripture that came to me just before the service. And I'm just going to read the whole thing. Hebrews 12. I don't have it there, Liz. But Hebrews 12, 1 to 12. And I'm just going to read this to you. Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, he had just talked about all the people of faith and all the things that they had suffered and all the things that they had gone through. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, I'm going to steal something from a preacher that I heard recently talk about that piece of scripture, and it was one of the most beautiful expositions on it. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin. The sin is what you and I do. The sin is the stuff that you and I do, and we have to deal with that. We have to get in front of God, and we have to say, Father, forgive me, and I repent of what I was thinking, what I was saying, or what I was doing. And that's the stuff, and we're the only ones who can take that off our shoulders. God is not going to miraculously come in the night and leave a little a quarter underneath your pillow of forgiveness. You ha- actually have to go and say to him, with your face hanging out, you have to go and say, Father, I was thinking wrong, I was speaking wrong, and I was acting wrong. Please forgive me. And then ask God what the steps of repentance are. Confession is no good without repentance. Repentance is the actual turning away. Confession is what it is. Repentance is turning and going in another direction. Repentance will always have an action. God will always ask you to either go and do something. Something will come out of that. But then it says, let us strip off every weight. The weight is the stuff that people put on us. The teachers who told us we were stupid. The parents who never gave us what we needed as children. The situations that people tell us in our life and the things that come to us and all of that stuff. We have to, at that point, with that stuff, we have to decide who we're going to believe. Are we going to believe some wounded experience from 60 years ago? And we're going to believe what that tells us about ourselves? We've gone through some spiritual healing here in the church with some people. And we go back, I did it with a pastor also this week, going back like 30, 40 years. Something happened, and out of that, they had a conclusion about themselves. And they walked their whole life with that idea. In one case, it was an incredible sense of shame, an incredible sense that they don't have the right to speak. And that was from one instance 30 years ago. Those are the weights that people put on us, that are put on us. And we have to, at that time, choose whether or not we are going to walk with that. If we are thinking the wrong way about ourselves, just put that stuff off and decide what it is that God says about us, what God says can happen in our lives, what God wants to do in our life. And I guarantee you the only thing, the only way that, that God works with us is out of grace. It's not because we have suddenly elevated to a level of perfection. It is purely because God wishes to, and he wishes to forgive us if we'll come to him, and he will move us into that next level of grace. It takes some doing. It goes on, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Jesus is in the business of perfecting your faith. That's why Charlie said this, well, the Holy Spirit said through Charlie, do you want to stay or do you want to go? Do you want to stay here or do you want to go forward? Because Jesus has got some stuff he wants to perfect. He's got some stuff that he wants to do. But again, we have to make the decision on whether or not we're going to do that. 
And it says, by keeping your eyes on Jesus. Well, what does that mean? That means literally getting in front of that Bible, reading it, believing it, getting in front of God, praying and professing what is in the Bible, and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to come through us. That's keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because I guarantee you, with what's coming down the pike in the next t- five to ten years, we are going to have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We are going to have to do that because we're going to see things. And the statement that the devil's going to put in your ear is, where's Jesus now? Because we're going to see things happen to us, the world. The Bible's very clear, and I'm praying that you and I will be frankly dead before it comes to the point that the Bible talks about in those years preceding immediately the second coming of Christ. But trust me, we are on, that plane is on a descent. The return of Christ is on a descent, and it's, it's, it's time. And so we are going to see an escalation of those things that are equated with the second coming of Christ. We all want the second coming of Christ. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on, Jesus. Come. We want you. Well, come, Lord Jesus. Oh, really? Do you really know what that's going to look like? Do you really know what that's going to uh, uh, demand from us? That's why there says there's going to be such a falling away. It's because all of a sudden, you're not getting the promotion. All of a sudden, you don't have tax-exempt uh, status. All of a sudden, you, they say you belong to a hate group, which is the church, and you're not allowed to own property. Could that ever happen? I wonder. Well, let's go back a few years. Germany. We have a total, absolute precedent for it. In Hitler, who came out of nowhere, he was nobody. He was just a, they laughed him off the first three or four years. Little did they know. All of a sudden, he'd put this law in, and then he'd put this law in against the Jews, and then he'd put this law in again, and all of a sudden, what do we have? We have the Holocaust. If we're, if we're foolish enough to think that that is not what is going on right now, like I've said to you before, go out and talk to your workmates and tell them that you're against abortion and see what happens. Go tell them they shouldn't have sex before marriage. Go tell them that God's divine plan for the human species is male with female. Go try that one on and see where you are. You'll find out real fast the fact that we come here and we sit here and sing our songs and have our glory time and then never interact with the world again. Does not, if that's not a real barometer. But trust me, the world will come to us. There's churches now, Bill and I were talking about, there's churches in this city right now, Bible-believing, God-fearing churches that are having very real issues around some of the stuff I just meant, and some of it may see the, the churches break. And I go, yeah, that's what it looks like. That's what it's going to look like. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And this is another pointer for us. Who are, wh- what are we living for? Are we living for here? Because as you know, the church in the last 50, 60 years, the evang- evangelical church has been talking all about prosperity, all about having it all here, all about God's blessing here, all about money. That's right, Claudio. All about money, all about that stuff. If that isn't a demonic gospel, I don't know what is. It is completely contrary to Scripture. But yet what happened? Aided up 
just ate it all up. And so what's going to happen? It's a perfect storm because all of a sudden we're going to start seeing that changing real fast. And everyone's going to say, well, God's obviously left us. And you say, no, no, this is what it looks like. This is what standing for Christ in the end times will look like. Now, does it mean that you and I are all going to end up on the street like bagging? No, no. But we know that circumstances and situations are going to get more difficult. The point at which it is attacking the church directly, we don't know. It might be 10 years from now, it might be 20 years from now, it might be two years. I don't know, but it's moving so fast that who are we at this point to say, did you, like we said last week, did you expect a year ago you'd be sitting here looking like a bunch of bandits? <laughs> who saw this coming? Right? So who knows what will happen next year? Think of all the hostility Jesus endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. For all, you have not yet given your, it says after all, this is, I love this, after all, you've not yet given your life in your struggle against sin, because apparently that was something that happened quite commonly. So they're saying, oh, you haven't even entered it yet. Like, you haven't got there yet. If we don't, if we don't get everything we want, the the sense of indignant injustice that comes up inside of us is amazing. I mean, you and I are the product of the most spoiled generation, the last two, three generations that the world has ever seen, especially in the West. We've got pensions, and we've got free medical, and we've got everything at the moment we want it. We've got this, we've got that. That was a blip in history. It was a very small blip. All you have to do is go back to the 30s, and, and it wasn't that way. People lived from day to day. And there's some of you that grew up living like that from day to day. A friend of mine who grew up in the prairies and they ate potatoes all winter, you know? And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord's discipline, he disciplines those he loves. And he, oh, here's a tough one. He punishes, bad translation. But anyway, it's the one that's there. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Since we respond or respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to God, you know? God, trust me. Now, you listen to me. Listen to me. There's nothing that's coming in your life that doesn't go through the finger of God first. Don't you dare fall into the lie that somehow the devil snuck through the back door and has got you. That is a lie. Now, as you get closer to God, God may say to you, he may say this. He may say, well, the reason this is happening in your life is because you are doing this. Or you are not doing this. And that's important, too. But, I mean, if you're a a basic woke Christian who is trying to the best of their ability to follow and hear Christ, guarantee me, or guarantee, the devil's not just going to come walking into your life and start messing around. And there was a theology, and it's all, it's very often in our, you know it, we grew up in Pentecostalism, a lot of us, well, since I was 20 anyway, and I'm 60 now, so, yeah, I'm still growing up. But nonetheless, we had a very pronounced devil theology. It was the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, and the devil, all in the same thing. 
And I don't know about you, but the first five to ten years of my life, I was more scared of the devil than I was God. And there was a devil behind every bush, and there was a devil behind everything that happened. And when you read New Testament theology, that is not the case. That is not. He comes up only briefly in the letters from Paul. Jesus deals with him more forthrightly because Jesus was Jesus, and the devil would always manifest in front of him. So he he dealt with it. But the fact of the matter is, if Scripture tells us anything, the devil is God's servant. And he is going to do the bidding of God, as hard as that is for us to get our head around. And that is one of the things about the end times that is going to freak everybody out as as Christians. And there's going to be, you've got to be a praying, believing, learning Christian in order to not be uh, tripped up by this. Because we are going to see uh, an explosion of evil in a way that we have never dreamed We're going to see evil be able to do things on the earth that we're saying, where are you, God? That is going to happen. And if you go even further, if you want to get really crazy, it says that God is going to give the the church over to the Antichrist so that he will subdue them. I mean, is that the victory of Jesus Christ? Yeah, it is. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And out of death comes life. So we have to be prepared for the fact that we are moving towards that. We're not, like, since this COVID thing, everybody wants to go back and do whatever they did before in church. And But there's thinking people out there, and I'm talking to a lot of the pastors in the city, and they're all getting the same spotty sense. Don't go back. There's something different happening here. I'm trying to get you to do church differently. I'm trying to get you to do this different. And none of us really know exactly what that is, but it will, it will make itself known. But nonetheless, we have to realize that we are going towards the cross. We are not going towards heaven yet. We've got to go through the cross and then to heaven. Now, understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that all of us are going to be killed. I'm just saying... Jesus said it to them when they were following him when he was carrying his cross. He turned around to the women and he said, listen, don't be crying for me, man. He said, because if they're doing this when the tree's green, cry for yourself. Because you can't believe what's coming when the tree is dry. And I don't know about you, but I think the tree is pretty dry. When you look at our culture and when you look at our world, at some point you've got to stand up and you've got to really take stock of what it is. I do not believe uh, the theology that you and I are supposed to somehow make the world perfect so Jesus can come back. I I just don't understand where that came from. I don't understand how that got into uh, a lot of churches. But it is one of the truths that they speak, that they say it's not a truth, but they say it. No, the Bible tells us that it's actually going to get worse. But here's what the interesting thing is going to be, is that the power of the church in the spiritual realm Not the social realm, not the economic realm, not the political realm, but in the spiritual realm, the church is going to get unimaginably strong. That it's going to go way past what the book of Acts church was. Because we are going to face something that the world has never faced before, so what's God going to do? He's going to bring a level of authority and power and spirituality that the world has never seen before. As far as the devil can go, God's always going to be up here. Don't kid ourselves. 
And the day is coming, and it's here now, where we are going to see much more miraculous interaction. We're going to see the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to see God raise up Gideons. We're going to see God speak to people, and they're going to speak to other people, and they're going to get healed, and they're going to get delivered, and you're going to see people, miraculous things happen. You're going to see provisions come from where we never thought they would ever come. And it'll happen in the midst of great struggle. So us here with the mask, as much as I really don't like those masks, but this is a small thing compared to what's coming. Again, is it going to happen tomorrow? Is it going to happen 10 years from now? We don't know. But we do know from the signs that we are reading right now, we would be some kind of, boy, we would be pretty hopeful at this point to think, oh, no, this is just a blip. Oh, no, this is not just a blip. And God says at the end, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Now he's talking to people that are facing death. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. It's up to us to decide the path. It's time. Do we want to stay where we are? Or do we want to move on with God? Are we willing to surrender to God? Are we willing to do it? Is it time for you to make that decision? It is a state of mind that God is trying to bring us in, into. He's trying to get us to understand that now is the time that we have to put the gas pedal on our spirituality. We need to do the spiritual tune-ups. And, and that means something different to everybody. You know, it means it, it's not something that's across the board. And, but I do believe it's time that the time has come for us to start grappling with the more serious issues. The apostle Paul said something. He said, let's move on, right? He said, let's move on from the healing of the, or the healing of the sick and the laying on of hands and baptism. Let's move on into the heavier, weightier things. And I believe now is the time where God is going to start drawing us into that. It's, I don't want to be doomsday and I don't want to, you know, have everybody walk out of here and think, well, okay, I got to dig a bunker in my backyard and put a bunch of food there. That's not what, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an attitude that will look at calamity and go, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And when this pastor told me about the ch- his church that may actually fold because of the division that's coming into it over an issue, a social issue. And I said, well... Uh, yeah, that's what that looks like. That's what it is. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Uh, easy for me to say he's the one who has to walk through it and take a reduction in salary and maybe you have to close the church. And another uh, board member from another church saying I'm really concerned about this issue they're dealing with that could divide the church. And he, he said it will blow up the church. I said it won't blow up the church. Stop it. It will declare the church. Paul said, I'm not surprised there's divisions amongst you, said it in Corinthians. He said, because it has to declare who is right and who is wrong. Separation. And we know very clearly that Jesus said, goats and sheep, sheep and goats. Well, that's not just something that happens in heaven when we all get there and he divides them. No, that's right now. Because he talks about their deeds on earth. So there is a goat church and there is a sheep church. 
And today, we have to decide which one we're going to be in. Are we going to continue just looking for the glory of God and everything to go back to normal and and keep telling God that he has to give us everything we want? Or are we going to face God and say, Father, do the spiritual x-ray of my life and let me know where I am. Let me know truly what I am. So I'm not kidding myself and I'm not kidding anybody else. And show me what I need to confess. Show me what I need to repent of. And let's giddy up and giddy going and start moving into the deeper things of God. And stop playing church. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you. You are not cutting any corners with us. Uh, You are showing us exactly what it is we need to consider, what it is we need to pray, what it is we need to listen for. Uh, Father, you're speaking to us. So, Lord, show us each individually what it is that you would want us to confess or to repent or to do, whatever it is, Father God. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you would just speak. And we just take a minute for that picture or that word or that direction to manifest itself in your mind as the Holy Spirit speaks to you what it is that God wants you to do. Absolutely. She's saying, yes, Willie, she's saying that the devil is a prowling lion. Like. (laughs) That's the key word there. Like. And, uh, but Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. See the difference? The devil is like a lion. Jesus is a lion of the tribe of Judah. There's a big difference. And the devil is always trying to masquerade himself as God. He's trying to, of course, get us to follow him instead of God. He knows he's going to hell. He knows he's going to the burning lake of fire. And he wants to take as many people with him as he can. Uh, So, you know, God is maybe has given you a thought, has given you a word, has given you a picture of something that he's speaking to in your life. And Father, today we just seal that. We seal it. And Father, I just pray that you would give us the strength to say yes to whatever it is that you are showing us, Father God. Saying yes to whatever that is. And Lord, I, I just ask right now, I, just, I always believe there has to be some, some act of faith. And the simplest thing we can do is stand. So if you know God's speaking something to you and you're in agreement with him about it, just stand Some of you may have nothing. Um, It's okay. That's fine. Uh, It's just God is speaking to individuals. Father, as we stand here today, we stand in faith. and, And I believe this. The Lord wants you to know something. He's going to give you the strength to do what it is he wants you to do. Don't worry about how. Don't worry about the challenges and the obstacles. Because God will give you the strength. And that's not just happy pastor talk. That is scriptural. That is biblical. That if he's asking you to do something and showing you a way through, even though you're, uh, you just see a brick wall, God has a way of going through brick walls. So the Lord will give you the strength to do. He'll give you the wisdom to do. There's some people who are trying to make decisions this morning. Um, and Father, I pray for those that have to make decisions in their life. Uh, they're trying, you're kind of waffling with it. You don't quite know what to do. I just pray, Father, that you would give them the yes uh, this morning in that, that you would just speak to that. 
I just see the word yes around a decision that needs to be made. Um, But Father, let us know, let us know, Lord, the direction. And let us remember this, that greater is he that is in us than anything that's going to be in this world that's going to come against us. So Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.